Hello, Amanda Smith here. Thanks so much for joining me on a brand new episode of How She Did It. I am so excited you have decided to come hang out with us. So make sure after this episode is over, before you leave, you hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. So this week's guest is a sports reporter and basketball analyst who has worked as on-air talent for Fox Sports 1, Overtime, MSG Networks, and ESPN, just to name a few places. She also hosts her own podcast, Bucket Sports and Blocks, so make sure you go and check that out. I'm so excited for you to get to listen to our conversation, though. So without further ado, here is Monica McNutt. Welcome on inside to How She Did It. Amanda Smith here with Monica McNutt. I first and foremost have to thank you for agreeing to join me on the show. I'm so excited to have you. Listen, the pleasure is mine. Thank you for the invite. I'm always down to empower some women. Let's do it. Yes. And y'all, we've got a straight boss on the show today. Because as I was doing my research on you, because I'm a professional, I saw that you have worked as honor talent at a variety of different television networks. So I wanted to ask you in your own words, how you would kind of describe your journey navigating what can feel like this crazy industry at times. It's so funny, Amanda, because when you started posting on Instagram, our promo, it's how, how did she do it or how she did that? Yeah. Um, and I was like, Oh, how did, like, how did I, like, I got the answers. Just kidding. No, I don't at all. And so I think as I sort of held on to that and was really thinking it through as I was walking this morning, um, I would just say I was committed to moving forward. It didn't always look the way that I thought it should. Didn't look the way they told you it goes in journalism school. Um, Didn't look the way that it looked for some of my peers. Um, But I think I was committed to moving forward. And that probably is the thing that propelled me even in the moments where I quite honestly questioned if I would be able to continue to move forward in a way that I could build my life around this industry. Um, So I've had to describe my journey. I would describe it as a jungle gym, but uh, it was forward moving. When you think back to those moments where you maybe questioned yourself and your path within this industry, what kept you motivated? Mm, I think... So my biggest moment of question came in 2017, December 2017. Um, I had been laid off for the second time in three years. And the second time around, I had this confidence. I don't know if it was actually naivete, but um, I thought for sure, oh, I won't be down long. Layoffs are part of the industry. Been here, done that. Bounced back from the first one in less than three months. Like had a job. Didn't even finish spending um, my severance pay before I had the new job. It didn't happen like that the second time. And so I was doing some substitute teaching. That December, I legit was like, okay, what I have learned in this time with this thing that I love being taken away from me and the way that I'm accustomed at least is that I am valuable and I'm loved and I'm worthy apart from what I do. I am not who I do. And I think for us as journalists, it is so closely intertwined because we literally put ourselves on camera or put our words on paper 
um, it can be very, very hard to parse out what we do versus who we are. Um, but I had through faith and, you know, lots of prayer and people in my circle that love me got into a really good place in terms of understanding the, the difference between who I am and what I do. And so I was quite honestly applying for English teacher jobs. Like I was like, I've always liked English. I enjoy the kids. They keep you young. They keep you hip. It's like, I'll do the, the sports journalism thing on the side as a hustle. Like, cause right now these bills got to get paid. So I'm, you know, let me talk to this organization that I've been substitute teaching with, like what full-time opportunities are there? Um, in that December, I had, again, had to work on pride. I had posted my reel on Twitter. Um, and it didn't necessarily go viral, viral, but- Oh, she about to say it went viral. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I don't think it really went crazy viral, but it got enough traction that it was reaffirming to me. Maria yeah. Taylor reached out, she sent me a DM and said, yo, like, I think you're dope, don't stop. Um, Jamel Hill retweeted it and said, watch out for this young woman. And those were just two in particular that really stood out. But there were other people that, are in the industry and just regular people that were like, you should keep going, like you're great. Um, and then shortly thereafter, I got a call from Fox Sports One about a women's basketball package that honestly was kind of small, but it was enough to make me keep wanting to move forward. Um, so I think in those moments, you've got to trust yourself um, and trust your journey. Amanda, none of our journeys look the same. And so I firmly believe even if I had gone to teach to finish out the second half of a school year somewhere, it, things would have circled back and I would have learned something from that experience as well. So um, I think you, you really have to trust your gut. And I think if for me, there was this nagging thing, I'm not bad. Like I just haven't had my opportunity yet. I'm not bad. Like I'm good at this. I just need an opportunity. Um, whereas I think the other part of this is as women, if my crossroad had been, I just got married and I have these kids and I don't want to continue with this time commitment, that's also okay. But I think you've got to figure out what is true to yourself. And for me, it was continuing to press forward. I always say on this show, because obviously it's called How She Did It Right. And so, you know, fun people sending questions. And, and really, they're like, how did you get to the position that you're at? And like you said, everyone's journey is by no means the same. Yeah. Like every woman that has been on this show has a different story. But the one common factor is that, like you're talking about, everyone just kept pushing forward. Not sure in moments sometimes of what I'm doing or how I'm doing it, but I'm just going to keep pushing forward. And so I would like to say to anyone who's listening to this, like, that's the one thing that everyone who is quote unquote successful in this business has in common, that they just didn't stop. Yeah. You, I mean, and it's hard because totally forward is a great word, right? You want to be forward thinking, you want to be forward moving, all that, but it comes with sacrifices. Like, I still live with my parents. I'm 30, right? Like, and my career is starting to take off. But now, quite honestly, in a pandemic, as a freelancer in sports, like, who knows what's next? Like, I might be teaching English after all. Like, but I think I can say that now um, with a trust and a faith that, it, that what is meant for me is going to be meant for me. And I think as long as you're true to the grind, as I like to say, things are going to come back around. Like, it, you just, you, hard work is going to yield fruit diligence, integrity, all of those things yield fruit. You just got to continue doing it and you can't put it on your own personal timeline. Let's talk about your English degree because that is what your undergrad was in at Georgetown. Then you make the decision to go to grad school at Maryland. I think a lot of people go back and forth with, uh, should I go to grad school? Should I not kind of debate? For you, why was that the right choice? When I left Georgetown, I had interned at NBC4, the local affiliate in Washington, D.C., and in their sports department. 
Um, and I remember thinking, I want to do this, but I don't want to be handicapped as just a basketball analyst because that's what I did in college, play basketball. Um, so it's like, all right, how do I do this? And there's a couple routes. You can intern or PA, first entry level job at local stations and soak it all in that way. Um, I am one who kind of explored it all. The year between undergrad and grad school, I actually was a kindergarten aide. So I literally know about being in schools. I call that the most meaningful career detour I could have made. Um, but the whole story, and I'll make it short, Amanda, is I was at a banquet. Um, and again, for women, it is so imperative that we advocate for ourselves. I was being honored as the distinguished all met by the Washington Post. I had been all met in high school and then they follow up with you four years later. How'd your collegiate career go? Do you still deserve being acknowledged? I was fortunate, blessed to be acknowledged. Um, I'm sitting at a table. LeVar Arrington was at the table at the time. Some local DC sports talent, uh, professor from University of Maryland. And so I just, you know, quite honestly said, hey guys, like I'm really enjoying this. Um, the next step for me now, I'm looking to get into sports journalism. So if you guys have any tips or, you know, advice, like please let me know, I'm all ears. I happened to be sitting next to George Solomon, who was the longtime sports editor at the Washington Post and ombudsman at ESPN. And he was taking a new position as the director of the Shirley Povich Center for Sports Journalism at the University of Maryland. So he says, we're starting this new program at the Grad School. Why don't you come check us out? The rest is history. I did exactly that. He is still to this day a mentor and a friend. Um, and the grad school route was it for me because it gave me the hands-on tools that I needed to go out and conquer the craft. Isn't it kind of crazy to think that like that opportunity was something that was like a startup? So like as you're thinking of like, what am I going to do? Like, where, where am I doing? Like the opportunity of what was meant for you, maybe like a few months back, wasn't even an idea yet. Wait, I'm having a moment here. <laughs> That's so real, though. You've got to trust your timing, right? Like you, even like this idea of going viral, right, for different people. You've got to trust your timing and your process. Yeah. You know what I mean? And again, moving forward with diligence and integrity. For me, um, advocating for myself was a big deal. Because if, and I don't know why I fumbled that mentality once I got laid off. I think there was probably more pride involved. Um, but in this industry, like, you know, the, the lyric says, closed mouths don't get fed. Like, and that's just a fact. So um, if I sat at that table and shrunk away from the moment, who knows if George Solomon and I ever make that connection. Uh, I know you were talking about how you played basketball at Georgetown. And as we're talking about how now it is a large part of your professional career, at what point did you realize that this orange ball could present more opportunities than just being a game? Oh man, um, I think immediately after I graduated, probably in my second semester, um, we were a program on the come up. We had been nationally ranked. I was going to the NCAA tournament, Sweet 16. Like I'm having fun talking trash in the media. I had a great group of girls. Um, but in doing media, our sports and information director, who also is still a friend, was like, Mom, you're good at this. Like you should explore this, right? And so I was like, okay, like I'm not gonna go to WNBA, but I definitely wanted to stay around sports. Like between your advice and my internship, like I'm gonna figure this out, like we'll explore it. But I think I realized how powerful the game was um, when I got invited to participate in a diplomacy program through Georgetown. Um, a couple of men's basketball alums who were older than me, they took like six of us, like three of the guys and three and two of the, or four of the guys and three of the girls, or two of the girls. And we led a diplomacy project in Montenegro. And we had kids from, the five different surrounding countries. Um, and in that area, there's so much division because of the history of war. 
Um, but our hook was using sport to unify. Um, and I got to do that two, three out of four years, I think, or I can't remember now, man. It might've been three years in a row, but it was just so dope. And so again, I actually was on the project the second year while I was in graduate school and I ended up doing a feature on the project because I had to convince my professors, like, I'm gonna miss this week of class, but this is amazing. I'm going to do this project on it, like you'll see. Um, and so that collision was so big to me because it was the journalism piece and the storytelling piece and then the literal path that was created from playing ball. I was watching a video from an interview you did and you talked about your dad being your first coach, one of your biggest influences when it comes to like falling in love with basketball. How would you describe the impact he's had on your personal and professional life? So I was definitely a daddy's girl growing up, <laughs> for sure. I mean, my dad was a high school referee, tagged along with him. Um, I think my dad and my relationship with basketball was the first place that I learned what hard work, commitment, and sacrifice meant, right? It was us in the gym Saturday mornings. It was us shooting in the backyard. Um, I didn't do sleepovers on Friday night because I had to get to the gym on Saturday morning. Um, and this was before I was playing organized team sports. My dad wanted to make sure that my foundation and fundamentals were in place. Um, my dad's been huge. And I think we're having so many conversations in 2020 about men advocating for, but my dad was just a good dad. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think in his mind he was empowering me to do anything that I wanted to do. I think he saw my talent, he saw my commitment, and he was willing to foster that. Um, and so in being a good parent, he did all those things that we're asking men to do publicly um, in 2020. And so um, I think my dad has been huge in my life, not just because of basketball, but also the way that I interact with men. Um, as I trained with my dad, we would be in the gym and guys would show up to work out and he would encourage me to go play. Like he would make them play with a girl's ball because he didn't want to jack up my shot. <laughs> like, he would encourage me to go play and he would never, he would never tell me to back down. Um, and I think my parents did a really good job of balancing because my mom, you know, she made sure I had all the etiquette and all these things. But my dad was like, you out there competing. There's nothing cute about being, about competing. Go compete. Um, so I just, my dad means the world to me. It's funny though, because I think as you get older, I see him, He's always my dad, but I also look at him as a husband now. And so like, not my husband, but a husband to my mom. And so now, you know, we get a marrying age and such. And you're like, oh, you were a better dad in this area than you were a husband in that area. And so it's like, it's, it's these opportunities to continue to learn and have conversations. Yeah. So the foundation of my dad and, dad and I's relationship is that he's my dad. And he was 100% about that. Then there's basketball. And then everything else kind of stems from that. But I can talk to him about anything now to this day. And I think that's so important. Like, don't don't be a girl dad because it's cute like just be a dad to your kids whether they're girls or boys just be an amazing dad and by default you're someone that is worthy of being celebrated i love that he made the guys use the 28.5 <laughs> ball so right. you ain't messing up your shot he's like uh-uh no. she's got a real future like i don't know what she's <laughs> we're gonna use the girls ball <laughs> Uh, well, we can't have you on a podcast without talking about <laughs> your podcast, which is a great lead-in into the game we're going to play, okay. inspired by your by your show. So first, for y'all who don't know, it's called A Bucket Sports and Blocks. And Monica, can you give us like a plug real quick if you want? Tell us where to find it. Let us all know. Okay, so it is available wherever you get your pods. Definitely on Apple Podcasts, wherever Spotify. Our website is Pure Hoops Media. Um, dot com. You want to head over to the website and check out our assortment of shows from the team. 
I love it. I love it. Put it in a commercial on on Podcast Network. Yeah. <laughs> a crossover of, ne- oh, no, of networks. Not, but please give us a commercial. <laughs> uh, okay, so this little game that I've come up with, I've taken like the buckets, boards, and blocks, and I've got some hot takes. Okay. Right. And so for like buckets, I'm thinking if you agree with mm-hmm. that thing, you're like, yeah, I'm feeling it, right? Buckets, I'm feeling hot. Yeah. Boards could be offensive, could be defensive. So I find it to be like a neutral thing. What am I going to do in this moment? Okay. So maybe you're neutral there. And then blocks, get that out of here. I'm not. Yep. It. yep. That's Does exactly this make sense? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's similar to how we play on the show. I love it. I'm with you. Let's go. Yay. Okay, cool. So first, I don't know why I just screamed, honestly. <laughs> I just got way excited. Enthusiasm is contagious. <laughs> My cat's ears just perked up. I'm like, sorry, go back to sleep, little girl. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I know that you've worked in both men's and women's basketball. So these are a mixture of both. Okay. First up, we've got teams would do a bubble environment next season if needed. We're talking professional teams. Yes. Oh my God, bored off the top, Amanda. <laughs> Am I it's to hard to say. Oh yeah, for sure. Explanation is great. Leisha Clarendon of the New York Liberty tweeted this the other day, and I think it is spot on. And it has been one of my concerns since the bubble became an idea. She said that it is isolating. Um, there is no privacy, and I'm paraphrasing here. I don't have the tweet in front of me. But these were her concerns if the college athletes were supposed to go to a bubble, right? Um, And I think that that part of it, the mental part of it, cannot be overlooked. Literally, for the NBA players, I think it is only working because they had eight regular season games and then everybody else is in the hunt and most of their season was done. Mm -hmm. For the WNBA, we're playing a 22-game season, right? And especially with the uncertainty of those women going back overseas to make their real checks, I think it's a sacrifice that's worth it. The W might be able to do it because when their season ends in mid-September, late September, they will have time to rest and maybe we have to revisit this the following May. But the NBA season, in theory, could start in November and they'll crown a champ in October. There's no way you're going to go 82 games back-to-back bubbles like that. I just don't, I don't see where that is the best situation for the mental wellness of those athletes nor, quite honestly, if they want to do that. Let me ask you this. This is actually not one of my questions, but now that you brought it up, I'm making up a question on the fly here. Because Tara Vanderveer, Stanford women's basketball head coach, she was talking about recently that, you know, should they play college sports, having that kind of bubble environment? What is your maybe opinion on that? If, remember, when we hear about this pandemic and the coronavirus, there's often this word, the novel coronavirus. Right. If this is a one-time deal, I think we can all make sacrifices. Now, after we've seen what the Big Ten and Pac-12 have done with football, I can't speak to the budget piece, but I am fully aware the hit that they're taking by can't or postponing, shall we say, football. Um, there is a place in my mind where you could have conference bubbles for men's and women's basketball, especially, although this is, again, this varies too across the country, if classes are going to be remote anyway. Mm-hmm. They can be in class in these bubbles, right? Now, the athletes want to play. Coaches probably want to play. 
does that mean that we should play or should be in these bubbles? I can't answer that. Right. I mean, like, and it's the tough, I feel for the decision makers. It's the toughest decision out there. Um, but if it was a one-off for this particular year, especially considering that we didn't have last year's uh, NCAA tournament on both the men's or women's side, um, and programs, players, coaches, staff felt that they could do it safely. I mean, as we've seen, the bubbles for the NBA and WNBA have not had any positive tests since they've gotten underway. Um, sure, I'd support it. But I also acknowledge that the budget that the Pac-12 has to spend on basketball or the ACC or any of the Power Five is not what the A-10 and the MAC have, you know what I mean? So like, we're getting into a lot of different elements of this thing. All right, we're moving on to our next one. Enough bubble, enough bubble talk. <laughs> Kennedy Carter should mm. be WNBA's Rookie of the Year. <sighs> A sigh? This, okay, uh, bucket board or block on this one. I'm also gonna go board here. Okay. Kennedy and Sabrina should have been neck and neck. Mm -hmm. Both have suffered ankle injuries. Both are gonna miss time. I think the latest on Kennedy is two weeks. Well, the season is only like 12, right. you know what I mean? So now I'm looking at someone like uh, Meg Begord, um with the, with the Seattle Storm. They're in serious contention to win it all again. And she's having a great year. Um, Satu Sabli, she just suffered a back injury. I just, I just think if you really have been watching the rookie class, Lauren Cox had a pretty solid game the other night. They lost, but she had a great game. Um, with those two at the top of the class suffering injuries, I could see where some of their rookie classmates lack them. That's okay. all. Because, and then the other part is we don't know what they're going to look like when they come back from injury. Totally. So uh, talent-wise, Kennedy Carter, yes, 100%. She was killing it before she went down with the injury. Um, but just reality, in terms of opportunity, I think that there are other formidable uh, players in that rookie class. And that's exactly, I think, like the perfect point to make when you talk about having a shortened season is when you go out with injury, there is like barely any time to recover and come back because like you're saying, it's, okay, well, we've crowned a champ, so. Yeah, and Crystal Dangerfield with the Minnesota Lynx, right? Yeah. Like the Minnesota Lynx are surprising people. She's at the helm of that offense. Now, if Minnesota is final four teams in the league, you know what I'm saying, it gets into the playoffs and plays well, you definitely have to look at her because that's a team that's just as young as the Dallas Wings. I think they're the two youngest teams in the league. So, like, it's, I just think that the competition in their class, the, the time that they're going to miss is, is going to cost them. All right. I've got a hot take from – our guy, Adrian Warshanowski here. <laughs> uh, he recently said that there is not a player more important to his franchise than Damian Lillard is to Portland and the Blazers. I saw this. Bucket all day from half court, nothing but net. Like that's a, that is the truth. That is a hundred percent true. I, I don't, I don't, gosh, I like there's every other superstar in their respective city has moved or has been traded, has been acquired, whatever, has shuffled around. Not only has Dame stayed, but he's also made it clear that he intends to stay, right. which allows management to then move to try to get a symbol and put the pieces around him. Um, 100%, that's a bucket. 100%. As he said in his own words, put some respect on his name. Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one. 
I don't know honestly why I'm yelling right now. I think I'm just so excited to be doing a podcast. <laughs> it didn't. I didn't come across as yelling to me. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, yes. Good thing no one's here with me. Okay. <laughs> LA will bring home both NBA and WNBA titles. Ooh, that's a block. Okay. Sorry. Did I speak too soon? No, I was going to say, it, should it be a bucket? I needed to know which LA NBA team. All right. So I do have the Clippers winning. Okay. Okay. Um, so we don't have the Sparks. I am struggling with the Sparks. And, I, and again, we talk about this shortened season. There's not as much time to get right. Yeah. Like I, I, at the time of recording this pod, I think they may be four and three. I'm not sure. But the point is that they've lost games where Seattle, who's the favorite, is seven and one. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I just, I, the, uh, Seattle looks, um, excuse me, LA, the Sparks, they look amazing. One game, Candace Parker, Neka Agumake, Simone Augustus off your bench is like still mind blowing to me. Chelsea Gray handles out the boo, can't wash my mouth, like just handles, right? Um, and then they look super tired and they lose to someone who I think you're not supposed to lose to. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm concerned that they, as a team of largely veterans, may have too many miles on them to get it done. All right. Those are Monica's hot takes. I like it. Thanks for playing my edition of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. You know, y'all make sure you go check out the real version on her pod. But this is a fun, you know, I tried. I like that. That worked for me. Uh, we had some fun fan questions. Got to okay. get to those before we're out of time. Okay. So first up, Tim Rushi. Hmm, Thanks for a question, Tim. He says, how would you explain to journalism students the grind of this business? <laughs> I feel like that's like such a good question. Oh. You know, I think, especially in the sports space, your tenets of journalism begin to get pulled, right? I know for me, starting out in local television, MMJ, multimedia journalist, one man band, like here's a story, I'm gonna tell it. Through my career, I have been pegged to offer more commentary, mm-hmm. um, which is me reading people that I respect and consuming and thinking about it from my perspective, but I wasn't necessarily in those locker rooms talking to those athletes on whatever said issue may be. Um, so I think at the core of journalism is whether it's reporting or researching, it is looking for information. So that core never changes if you want to be good at this job. Like you look for information. If you've got to go commentary route, you look for the information to support what you have to say. If you're straight at reporting, obviously you dig into your reporting. Um, but and even in non-sports journalism, as a society, sometimes we reward personality, right? And, I, and some of that, Amanda, is, my, is part of my path, right? Like that's part of what people find attractive about me is that I'm willing to state my opinion. So I'm not knocking it, but I think from the core place of journalism, you've got to remember, you still got to be reading, you've got to be writing, like you've got to get the information right, right? Because if your opinion is based on something that's straight up wrong, like people are smart and they're going to call you out because we all have Twitter and Instagram and whatever else. Um, but I also would say it doesn't necessarily play out the way that they tell us in J school, right? Like market, market 80 to market 60 to 40, 20, 10, like it doesn't necessarily play out that way at all. There are so many other ways to share your content and your reporting um, that I would say research report get the right information but also be creative 
when I graduated from college, I was like, all right, where, where, where are all the people who want me to work for them? You know, you live in this like bubble, fun bubble environment of having opportunity mm-hmm. after opportunity consistently. I was in DC like, what do you mean? Like I play basketball at Georgetown, I'm no sports, like I'm great. You guys should hire me right now. Right. Work like that. And those moments, I, they, they really forced me to be creative and find a new way when I couldn't get any work to put content out. So I think even today, especially with the internet, social media, and having like your phone at your hand in all moments, like you can create your own stuff. For sure. And the other part, I think, as you do eventually get jobs, like you're not married to any job. Totally. And look at everything as a stepping stone, right? Yeah. Like nothing is the end all be all. And if it doesn't work out, you roll out, like very simple. Oh, this is a good lead into our next question from Tab W. Thanks for setting up the the next cue. He says, what is a next goal that you have for yourself? Oh, man. Oh, all right. So we're getting real deep here. Yeah, this is a deep show. People sometimes cry. (laughs) No, I could cry because like, oh, I'm not going to cry though. Um, I think the next goal for me, it's, it's funny, Amanda. I love being a freelancer. Girl, you get to pop in. Hey, Monica's here. Woo woo. Roll out before there's any drama, right? <laughs> At the same time, like, there's not necessarily the stability, right? Like, it's, that's an adventure and I have a blast and I collect my checks and it's awesome. But like, literally, like, no sports this fall. What's up? Like, nobody's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I think the next step for me is a long-term contract whether it is um like beyond just a season like a a couple years strung together um so that i know because otherwise the hustle don't stop and not that the hustle would stop with that but i always say to my friends like i don't let these hoes like that's why i have so many jobs like please so (laughs) if one of my employers decides to marry me like to wife me up for a season i'm i'm with it so i think the next the next thing that i would like to achieve um is a place I can call home for an established amount of time um, and then like allow that to fuel my creative and all that. When your employer puts a ring on it, (laughs) just know that I'm posting wherever it's posted, just a bunch of ring emojis and you'll know what I mean. You will know what I mean. That's it. I, I don't, listen, I don't mean that as any shade. Because I did, you know, I had a couple contracts this, this No, year. not at all. But, but you know, like, that'll be my congrats. Right, like, what's up with them benefits, baby? Like, let's, let's get on that level. Like, <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. So that, But don't forget, that'll be my congrats. I'm proud of you. Yes, we're working. It's on the hand. Okay. <laughs> I usually like to end the show for those who are avid listeners, um, asking this question to my guest. This show to me is so much about lifting each other up and celebrating yourself as well as celebrating others. Mm-hmm. And so what is something you are proud of yourself for? Oh man, um, that I'm still in it. And I did it my yeah. way, I think. Um, man, yeah. like. I, I fought for it. You know what I mean? Like we pushed forward and like pushing was taxing. Like I was sore and there were cuts and there was weakness. All right. But like I pushed forward and I've done it my way. Like my hair is a big deal to me, Amanda. Um, it is part of my lifestyle beyond what we do on TV. Cause that's not the only thing that I only pers- only part of me. Um, and so to be in it, to be respected for no one have had, 
had asked me about changing my hair, changing my look, and having been able to be true to myself and inspire those that are behind me, like, I'm proud of that. I love that. I can't think of a better way to end the show. So thank you so much for joining me. This has been so fun to get to chat with you and know you a little bit better. And I can't wait for all those ring emojis coming your way very soon. I can't wait for either, girl, whether it's the personal ring or the job ring. Like, I'm excited. <laughs> she went there. She went there. <laughs> oh, thank you again. This was so much fun. And thank y'all for listening. For Monica McNutt, I'm Amanda Smith. We'll catch you next time on How She Did It. Oh,